Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk Dance. I've got a few different things I'm going to talk to you guys about. First, we're going to talk about uh, ballet in America. Uh, then we're going to talk about queer ballet. And then we are going to talk about something called hiplet. So if you are interested in those things, please continue listening. So American ballet, how do we define that? Well, ballet is always going to be a foreign dance because obviously it wasn't created here in America. It was created in France. So there is a high class standard that comes with ballet because of how it was established, which we have previously talked about. So I'm not going to dive into that right now, but if you want to listen, listen to my other podcasts. So um, what did we do as Americans to make ballet American? Well, first we put it in Broadway. So <clears throat> dance and ballet was featured in Broadway. Like for instance, in Oklahoma, the ballet dream scene like drove the entire plot. So we can see how um, ballet can really affect plot and not just something pretty to look at, you know? It can have uh, theme and meaning and um, so on and so forth. Um, so in America, we, we try to adapt more American themes than in other countries. And um, so companies in America that, you know, adopt these American themes and uh, create their own um, is the Ballet West, San Francisco Ballet, Little Philadelphia, um, and Little Philadelphia was actually the first, uh, school or company to tour nationally, so that was a big step for America, uh, American Ballet. Uh, Lincoln Christine commissioned Balanchine into the U.S. and created the School of American Ballet also known as Ballet Society, and now to this day called the New York City Ballet, which I'm sure if you aren't even interested in ballet, you've probably heard of the New York City Ballet. Um, Balanchine's work is very abstract, it's musically driven, um, and they're plotless ballets. So the kind of music that's used in, in Balanchine's work is almost uncomfortable. Like it's supposed to make the audience feel at like uneasy, some uneasiness. And I think it really works for his style and the movements that he's putting to it because, well, I have heard a couple of the music uh, that he uses and some of it does. I'm just like, wow, I never want to listen to that again. But some of it just really works with what, what he's doing. <clears throat> uh, Anthony Tudor was another choreographer that we can, you know. Um, so George W. Smith was actually the highest paid choreographer. Um, and, you know, it's kind of a hard business to get into to just get you know, paid to create art, you know, it's definitely a competitive field. So George W. Smith was the highest paid choreographer. Um, Arthur Mitchell, 
And if you guys haven't heard about Arthur Mitchell, he is an African-American man um, who created a, a company, a ballet company. And he struggled a lot with uh, getting this company together because, you know, he came from the New York City Ballet. And so all of the people in Harlem, which is where this school was, um, were thinking that he was almost like a spy of some sorts coming into their town and opening this up. And the reason that I say this is because, you know, Harlem, especially during this time period, you know, it's just not a great, like, safe. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. Sorry. <laughs> I wouldn't say that at all. No, I'm just, uh, it was a black community and all, a lot of the blacks thought that they were trying to push them out. That uh, Arthur Mitchell was trying to push them out of there and like bring this, you know, school in and, but it wasn't like that. His, his, Thoughts about it were completely innocent. He just wanted to spread this <clears throat> love of dance throughout uh, a community that doesn't usually get to have that sort of thing. Like in Harlem, you know, it's a lot of money to go through dance training and ballet and all of that stuff. And, you know, the costumes and the point shoes, point shoes have to be replaced. Like it's just a lot of funding. And so he created a place where it was really cheap to take ballet lessons. And so, you know, all of these African-Americans, boy or girl, could participate in this and learn the art of ballet. Um, <clears throat> so next we're going to talk about... Um, next we're going to talk about the queer ballet. Uh, and it's not exactly how it sounds. Queer is usually a word that describes, you know, basically anyone who's not straight. It's just a collaborative, all of the sexualities that aren't straight. So bi, gay, uh, lesbian, transgender, like all of that stuff. So in, we discussed in class these different variations well, and in the reading also, these different variations of Swan Lake and how these fit into quote-unquote queer ballet. Um, oh, so Stock interacted with, um, it was an all-male ballet company who danced on point. These men were on point, and they interact with the audience a lot like it's uh they're a parody group and i think that they decided to make this a parody group so it would be a smaller pill to swallow for the audience who are used to seeing you know the women on stage in point shoes and tutus but these guys just completely changed the game uh and their form is beautiful you know it's it just proves that everyone can do it and you know, you should be able to choose which role you want to pursue, whether you want to be on point or a lifter or what have you. So, Stock, uh, sorry, I'm like, I'm trying to read it and my dyslexia is getting in the way. Stock. <laughs> um, they are 
a huge part of their company is switching uh, between male and female characters. So, you know, some of the men will play men, but often, you know, men will also play women. And they often come out of character. Um, so like, you know, in normal companies, you know, your teacher will say, you know, if you mess up, don't look like you messed up. Like, don't change your face. Just get right back into it. But these guys, you know, if you mess up, they are trained to create a spectacle out of that. So, like, uh, that would be the uh, comedy aspect of this kind of parody dance or parody ballet. Um, so, basically, they describe it as representing their character through women. And one more thing I want to talk about with this group is the names that they created for themselves. So it was like uh, a mix between Russian and French, and it just sounded like really funny American like words. And, uh, you know, I might have to go find it because it is just so, so funny. Um, but... I don't know how much time we have for that. So we're just gonna move on, but I would recommend going and looking up the names of the stock uh, ballet company because they're very funny. <laughs> um, so Matthew Bourne is <clears throat> a part of the all-male um, um, all ballet. And these, these guys are more um, animalistic in the way that they perform Swan Lake. I don't know if I mentioned this, but um, we're talking about these companies in relation to they're doing uh, a piece from Swan Lake and how are we um, looking at that? So Matthew Bourne, uh, his movements were more animalistic in, in the choreography. So like it wasn't, you know, all graceful and representing beauty. It was more, you know, well, yeah, it was just more animalistic. I don't know how uh, a different way to uh, describe it, but the, the way that they portrayed swans, it wasn't male or animal, but simultaneously both at the same time so he really just like pushed those ideas together <clears throat> um so the question that is always the question that I was thinking of whenever I was reading about these guys was will drag ballet always be seen as comedy or will it evolve into like a respectful art because you know in other countries it's not uncommon for a male to play a female part or vice versa and here it's not even uncommon to see a female play a male part but you don't normally see a male playing a female part and so you know this is a very nude construct to Americans and in ballet <clears throat> and because they made it like a parody and comedic you know, to make it easier for everyone to take in you know, I wonder if they set themselves up to always become, to always be a group that just makes people laugh, or are they going to do something that's much more serious and heartfelt, but also while being in drag, which is what I someday really hope to see in our communities that, you know, 
anyone can be anyone, basically, you know? Um, but that also dives into the question of how do you create a non-binary ballet? You know, because whenever you go to an audition, you're forced into one of two categories. You're forced into a female role or a male role. There's like, there's no in between. You can't really switch between the two just because of the standards that ballet has, this high class standard that we all know about ballet. Um, so how do you do that? And I think it all depends on the audience because, you know, my generation, I feel like is much more, you know, accepting of these roles that people play and, you know, sexuality and, you know, race. And I feel like we're all just much more understanding of what's going on in the world now. And I'm hoping to see that one day, you know, it ballet can evolve into something else. Um, that's more inclusive of everybody because I feel like ballet is such a beautiful art and not everybody gets to just do it, you know, professionally. Not everyone gets to do that at all because of the standards that have been set up by um, <clears throat> just the history of ballet. So, again, it all depends on the audience. Like, you... I'm, the thought that came to my mind is a, a, a non-binary ballet would be just a whole ballet with animals. <laughs> because, you know, you don't have to be male or female to be an animal. You're just, you know, you're an animal. So it doesn't really matter. But it's just those kinds of themes that are built into the ballet history of a, a prince and a princess falling in love. And, you know, there's like an evil person or a wizard or whatever. And you know, there's always that conflict. And then at the end of the movie or <laughs> movie at the end of the ballet, you know, all is well and they get married and they go on with their lives. But, you know, it's kind of hard to get away from that theme. And I think that that's where we as Americans in the ballet community should start, you know, dabbling in is just different themes that aren't all the same because it's all, you know, you always pretty much know how it's going to end. <laughs> um. Last thing we're going to talk about today is something called hiplet, which is the combination of ballet and hip hop. Um, and it's really cool. If I, I would recommend looking it up because it's just really interesting. These girls are in point shoes and, and, you know, incorporating ballet into hip hop. And so we have to stand back and look at it like, uh, at a technique standpoint, because what is it more of? Is it more ballet or is it more hip hop? And from watching um, the videos, I could see that it is, it seems to be more ballet trained than hip hop, even though there are a lot of hip hop movements in there. But <clears throat> um, in class, we were talking about, like, we watched the video and someone said, oh, well, like their technique was bothering me. And I thought, well, you know, this is a combination of two opposite dance styles into something new. So, you know, in, in a sense, this is its own style. So how do we know that the technique is right or wrong? We don't. We don't know that because it's still a form. It, they're still creating the form for this. You know, you know what I'm saying? 
Um, but the question that was brought up is, is it offensive to make a collaboration between ballet and hip hop? And I say, absolutely not. It's, it's not offensive to do that. We already kind of do that with other things, you know? Whenever I'm choreographing, I was uh, first and foremost a, a ballet dancer. That's how I started my dance training and it evolved from there. But, you know, in my choreography now, there will be hints of things from ballet just because that's just the way that I was trained and it's my comfort area. And so I don't think mixing ballet with something else would be offensive because you know if you like let's say you mixed um jazz and hip-hop would it be offensive no it'd be something <laughs> mesh to look cool but just like the high standard that ballet has it's like this sacred gem that no one can ever touch or look at <laughs> uh you know and it's just like to mix it with something else I don't, I just don't think that this creative, you know, hip, you know, hiplet was so creative and it took a lot of work, obviously. And I just can't, I just don't think it's offensive at all. I just think that it's another way to express our creativity. Um, and so the final definite, my personal definition, what is American ballet? What what makes it American? Why isn't it just ballet? And I honestly think that it's because of the themes that we use and the way that we are evolving ballet into something else. You know, like Hiplet. You know, it, we mix things with ballets and we have different themes and, you know, these like ballets on Broadway and different things like that. We've learned that it can drive the plot. Like it just has a lot of... Uh, a lot of different variations, American ballet. And I just think that it's just not the stereotypical guy meets girl, they fall in love and that's it. You know, it's not that. I just feel like as Americans, we add different themes and different music and, you know, we're dancing on point to rock songs or whatever, you know, like I danced on point to carry on my wayward son whenever I was uh, still in a studio. So, you know, just stuff like that. And I think that's what makes it American is we're not afraid to play with it and make different things. And I think that's important to remember throughout, you know, any kind of dancing career that someone might have or, you know, in my dancing career. Um, but yeah. So that was our discussion on American Ballet. Got some little, uh, some other things in there for you guys. But I hope you enjoyed this episode of Let's Talk Dance. And I will see you again next week.